Father, as we look into your word together, we ask that you would speak to each one of our hearts and our lives. Lord, take the words that were written and transform them into our lives. Bring that encouragement that we need and that food, spiritual food for our journey. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Last week we uh, started thinking about what it means to be a disciple. And we said that Jesus left one command to go and make disciples of all nations. It seems to, every time I click on it, it vanishes. I don't know quite why. It'll come back in a minute. There you go. Make disciples. As you are going, in the Greek it says, make disciples of all nations. And we started to think about what that means, and we recognized that that was in Jesus' DNA. Right at the very start of his ministry in Matthew 4, 19, he says, come to his new disciples when he's calling them, Peter and so on. He said, come, follow me, and I will send you out not to fish for fish, but now to fish for people. I will send you out to go and make disciples. And Jesus then at the start of his ministry in Luke 9, he sent out the 12, and in Luke 10, he sent out the 72 to do just that. He said, go, go preach the kingdom of God. Heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom is near. And he sent them off to go and make disciples wherever they went. But the question is, as we asked ourselves last week, what does it mean to be a disciple? What is it really that God has said? When he says, go make disciples, we recognize that we have to be a disciple to make disciples of others. But what does that really mean? And so we started looking at this passage in Acts it said, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Last week we said to be a disciple is to be someone who is devoted. And we looked at what devotion really meant. It means steadfastly involved in. Do you remember the picture that we had of the, uh, of the lighthouse and the wave coming over it? It's, it's doing the job but being rooted so that nothing will move you from the task that God has called you to do. But God says in his word that we have to be devoted to certain things. And the first thing was to the apostles' teaching. To the apostles' teaching, or for us, to the word of God. The apostles wrote down the things that they were telling those new disciples, those new followers. And so we have it in word form in God's Word. Now, there are many passages about the power of the Word of God and what we have given to us in our possession here. But today I want to just look at one passage, and that's from Psalm 19. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 19. If not, then we will we'll read it off the screen together. It's not a particularly long psalm. It's not 119, just 19. 
Probably Psalm 119 is the best psalm if you want to know about the Word of God. But it's slightly long for one sermon. So we'll, we'll focus on this one. Let's say that if you've got it there, let's say the words together. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By keeping them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Stern his errors. Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words from my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Beautiful psalm, huh? Did you almost start breaking into song when you read that uh, purify or uh, the uh, more precious than gold, the much pure gold and sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb? Songs there, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, often preachers say that before they preach. We're going to do something slightly different today. We're going to break into groups. I want you to get into a group of people around you, people that look intelligent. Okay? Go find them. So if you're sitting next to somebody that's looking a bit dazed today, that's not really, okay? Feel free to move. Okay, all right. Everybody got a clipboard handy? Oh, no, one here. Last one. Look, perfect. I had seven clipboards, seven groups. What I want you to do is I want you to look at those words from the Bible. If you haven't got a Bible, somebody will need to go grab one. Verses 7 to 11 says this. So first of all, the psalm starts talking about how we can see the power of God in creation, right? The whole, the whole earth, the heavens declare the beauty of God. And then it goes on to how we can see God in His Word, verses 7 to 11. I want you to write verse 7 to 11 in your own words. So just take, take what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, Making wise the simple. I told you to sit next to somebody intelligent, didn't I? Don't blame me. 
And I want you to write that in your own words. There's no right or wrong answer to this, okay? But just write it, just talk about it, talk it through, and write down what you think it means in your own words. From verse 7 to verse 11. Okay. Now, why did I do that this morning? They were steadfastly involved in the Word of God. You see, being devoted to the Word of God requires certain things. Firstly, it requires that we come with a certain hunger to the Word of God. Now, I could have stood up there and preached for half an hour this morning on that passage from Psalm 19, right? And what would have happened? You would have sat there politely and listened to me, and you might have been asleep in one ear and out the other. But what happened when you actually, when I said, now, write it for yourself? You start engaging with the Word of God, right? See, this is the difference between coming to church and being a disciple, isn't it? They were devoted. They were getting involved in. And so often in church, what we do is we come and we listen and we say, David, that was good. Or particularly if I tell you a funny story, you remember that, won't you? You know, great joke. You remember the good joke. But we don't actually get engaged in the Word of God. We come, we listen passively, and we, we say, you know, sometimes it may speak to us and we remember it. But often, if I was to ask you on Wednesday or Thursday what was said last Sunday, if you were to ask me, I wouldn't even remember. So, but when I said to you, write it out, what happened? You suddenly went, oh my, oh my days, right, we've got, we've got to really think about this. What does it really mean? And so you come with a certain hunger or Maybe if it wasn't a hunger today, it was more of a reluctance, but you came anyway. But you come like Nehemiah. In Nehemiah 8.1, they've rebuilt the temple. And they call Ezra the priest out. And they say, Ezra, come and we want to hear the word of God. And they says in the word in, in 1 to 3 that they stand there all day long. Can you imagine it? You come in here and you say, David, we want to hear the word of God. We can't read it for ourselves because we don't have a copy Please read it to us. And you stand there. There's no seats. You stand there the whole day long, and you just say, every time I want to have a break and go for some coffee, you say, no, 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 keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, because we want to know what it says. That's the hunger that they had in Nehemiah's time when the temple was rebuilt, and they wanted to hear what God had to say to them. And we need to come with that same hunger when we come to God's Word, that same attitude that says, you know what, I really want to understand what's being said. Because so often we, we don't do that. We come, what's the story of Daniel in the lion's den? King Nebuchadnezzar said, bow down to me. Daniel and his friends said, no. Right? Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. God sent an angel. Lion's mouth was shut. You know, lion suddenly became a vegetarian or something. I don't know what happened in there, but opened up the next day. Nebuchadnezzar was all torment all night long. Came down and Daniel said, it's fine, you know, and pulled him out. And the people that tried to 
kill him off, were thrown in there, and all of a sudden the lions just had a ravenous appetite and ate them to pieces, right? So what happens when we read it in the, in the Word of God? We go, oh, I know that one. It's just as I've told you. So we don't really read it, do we? Because we know the story, right? So we don't actually read what the Word says. We don't come with that hunger to the Word and say, God, you know what? Teach me something new today because I must have missed something in this. Show me. And we don't come like you did today with that kind of attention. Secondly, we don't come in prayer. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, right? How many of you, before you started today, when I asked you to do this, prayed? Who wrote the Word of God? There's a clue in it, that what I've just said. God did through people, right? So if you want to know what the Word of God is saying, who do you ask? Well, you ask the author, right? If I was to write a, a piece on Trinity Church about my experiences in Trinity Church and, and there's a bit that's a bit ambiguous and you're not sure what it means, who would you ask? Me, right? Why? Because I wrote the thing and I, you would assume that I know what I'm talking about when I wrote it, what I had in my mind, in my heart when I wrote this thing. But how many of us, when we come to the Word of God, do we sit down and we go, God, Holy Spirit, you're the one that wrote this through people. You know what you wanted to say to people. So tell me what you want me to learn, because you're the one that wrote it. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. Just, Jesus, Spirit, help me in this, because I want to know what, what you're really saying. Third thing, you come with humility. James 4, 6, let me read that. It says this talks about God uh, being, uh, James 4, 6, let me, let me read it to you. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. We need to come to the scriptures with a humility that this is God's word. What I mean by that is that all Scripture is God-breathed. This is what God wants to say to us today from Genesis to Revelation. And so we come with a humility that says, God, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to come underneath it. This is my authority. I might not like what you say. I might not understand what you say. But this is what you want to say. And I'm not going to put myself above it and say, you know what? I don't like that bit, so I'm going to just take that. I'm, I'm going to ignore that bit. That, that bit's rubbish. I don't like that bit. I, I really like this bit, so I'll, I'll take that bit. If we do that, we come with pride and with arrogance and no humility. We need to come to the Word of God. We wrestle with the Word of God. I wouldn't have written it like this, and I don't think you would. There's bits in here that I really don't like, but I wrestle with them. Because I wrestle with what I see in the world around me and what I understand from the Word of God. And it challenges me. And sometimes the two don't fit nicely together. But I still wrestle with it and I still try and understand and I align my life to what I understand the Word of God saying. I do not align the Word of God to my life. 
If I do that, I have no humility. Humility is recognizing my position before God. That's what humility is. It's saying God created me beautiful. I am, I am a son of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But I am not the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I am not over God, and I do not judge God and what God has written. I have my position. It's like in your household. I remember once, probably said this before, I came, me and Inika, the, the boys were getting older. They were late teens and so on. We went out for a night out together, came back a bit late from London, went to a show. Boys were there waiting. They said, what time do you think this is? I said, what? They said, we've been worried sick about you because we were in a show. We had our phones off and then we we're on the tube coming home and we've been trying to call you. You never called us back. Well, what do you call this? What kind of responsibility is this? And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, number one, that's my line. You can't use my line. I am the parent. I will always be your parent till the day I die. Even in the grave, I'm still your parent. So don't you start using my lines against me. Right? There's a humility there. He has to recognize it. They're my sons. They're not, they're not my parents, Right? I don't talk to my parents the same way as I talk to my sons, and we don't talk to God. We recognize our position before God. There's a humility. Fourthly, we need to engage our mind. 1 Peter 3 talks about us always being prepared to give the reason that we have. I'm astounded sometimes when educated people come to the Word of God and they don't engage their brains. They just lift the words off the page as though it was written out of context to them right there and then. They wouldn't do that in anything else. You see, the Word of God was written four to 2,000 years ago, right? By a number of different authors in a number of different places. And guess what? It wasn't primarily written directly for you and me. It's not like 4,000 years ago, the Spirit of God said, you know what? I need to write a letter to, to Marion. So I'm going to use this author 4,000 years ago, and I'm going to write through him or her directly to Marion today. No, they were writing for their context. They were writing for the situations that happened around them. They were seeking God, and God said, I'm going to use these individuals. I'm going to flow my words through them to address the issues in their particular context. And so what we need to do is engage our minds and our brains, what we call hermeneutics, which is to, to look at the Scriptures and say, well, what were the original authors trying to say? What were the recipients understanding by that? It's that classic passage, isn't there, in 1 Timothy. All men should lift up holy hands in prayer. And women should keep quiet in the church. Why? Because women are saved through childbirth. Now, that's not written for us in our context to be able to lift that straight from the pages of Scripture. I don't see when, when we pray. When Marion came up here this morning and said, let us pray, I didn't see all the men sticking their hands up like this today. Why not? Because we recognize it was written in a context for a particular people. Now, there's truth within that that we need to, to gain, right? The truth lasts, but the specifics change from situation to situation. And we need to engage our minds, seriously engage with the text in the same way you did today. What did you do? 
You went the precepts. What are the precepts? When was the last time you went down the local shops and used the word precept? Right? You just don't use those words. The ordinances. I wonder what the ordinances of this are. Right? We don't use those words. So you have to engage your mind. What's it really trying to say to me? And we need to do that every time we come to the Scriptures, and we do it consistently throughout the pages of Scripture. We get into a lot of trouble when we just lift words from the pages of Scripture. The classic is Genesis chapter 1. What is that? The creation narrative. What is it? Is it a literal, historical fact that God created the world in seven days? I wasn't there. But I know what it's written like. It's written as a chiastic poem. Why? Because it was written for when? The people of Israel who are walking in the wilderness going, why are we here? Where have we come from? Why are we walking for 40 years? What's our position in this world? Who are we anyway? And Moses, through the inspiration of God's Spirit, sat down. He said, you know what? Let me start right at the beginning. In the beginning, God was there. He created, which is why days one and four, two and five, three and six all marry up together because day seven is the critical one. It's poetry. You ask any Jew what it is, they won't say it's a historical narrative. They'll say it's poetry because they understand it. And we need to engage our minds in that way and recognize Scripture for what it is. Fifth, we need to meditate on the Word. Does everybody know what Joshua 1.9 says? I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. Right? A lot of people quote that. But Joshua 1.8 comes just before it. It says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. The Word of God says we need to meditate on it. That means we need to just let it sit and filter through us. Why is it that I spend so long on particular passages? Because I want us to meditate on Acts 2, 42 to 47. There's a whole world of, you know, I could just do that in one sermon. But then we don't meditate on it. We don't allow it to sink into our lives. We don't, we don't allow it to filter down and to transform us and change us in the way that the Word of God wants to change us and challenge us and encourage us and do all these things. We need to meditate on the Word. Don't rush through it, but just let the Word of God sit there. Sit there for a while. Personally, for me, God often speaks words that I, that, I, that I spend quite a few months just pondering the same passage over and over again. I mean, I read other passages, but I, there's one passage that's stuck in the back of my head, and it's just sitting there, and I'm trying to figure out really what it means, trying to mine its complete depth or as far down as I can go into it. Meditate on it. Think about it. I know the passage is off by heart, so I can just sit there, and because I've been reading them over and over and over again, so that if I'm sitting on the tube, I can be thinking about that passage. What's it really saying? God, what are you saying to me through this? What does it really mean? Meditate on God's Word. Do what you did today. It's a great way to meditate. 
If you want to meditate on it, just try writing it out in your own language. Because then you actually get into the passage and you, you start to really think about it. What did those new believers do? Number six, they asked for help, right? They came up to the apostles and they said, or the disciples, and they said, teach us, teach us, teach us. We want to know what Jesus said. Tell me the stories about Jesus. We want to know. And it says in Acts 2, 40, uh, in that passage from 42 to 47, that they met twice every day. In the mornings, they went out to the temple court. So they went out there before work. And they would come and they would gather before work and they would say, Let, let's just teach us. And they would all gather around the different disciples. There was probably about 300 people per disciple if you break it up, right? Tell us more stories. Tell us more stories. And then they went to work for the day and then they came back. And in the evenings, they would break bread in their homes and they, they would say some more. We want to learn. We want to know. We want to, we want to understand. Seek help. There's loads of material out there. There's loads of people that we can ask. When was the last time that you read something that you went to somebody else and said, what does this mean? Can you help me with it? In the Word of God. That's what it means to be devoted, doesn't it? We need to be disciples. And lastly, in our psalm today, talked about offering praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 19. Verse 8. I haven't got it in front of me now. Anybody got it there? Did anybody paraphrase verse 8? No, because I asked you to do verse 11. Verse 8 says this, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. We come and we thank God always for His Word. It's such a precious gift that we have, the Word of God. I was reading today, just this morning, somebody said, you know, the Word of God, people have tried to burn it. They've tried to get rid of it. They've buried it. They've made it illegal in some places for you even to read it. And yet the Word of God continues to transform people's lives. We have such a gift from God. In his word. A gift that is beyond beyond our comprehension so often, and we take it so much for granted, don't we? To be a disciple is to be devoted to the word of God. It is the starting point. You want to grow? Make it your attitude to learn this book to grapple with it, to argue with it, to allow it to transform you and change you and feed you and help you to grow, then we will start to be disciples in the way God wants us to be. God has written to us everything in here that he wants us to know, everything that we need for our spiritual journey. We need to really get to grips with God's word and have a passion for it so that we may be the disciples he's asking us to be. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for just today. But Lord, may today just not be a one-time thing. May we start to really 
mind the depths of your word. Lord, we cannot grow without your word. Your word is a lamp, a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. Lord, your word is, is, is power, it's transformational. It's when they spoke your words. When they preached in the name of Jesus Christ, they, they preached your word, then transformation happened. And Lord, allow your word to transform us and through us to transform others. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.